We are keeping democracy alive. Check for pulse. Stand clear. Push to shock. So yes, there's a huge gap between public opinion and public policy. That people don't feel that they can do very much. You know what this is? This is a very Hamiltonian system. Alexander Hamilton being the guy here in a very un-Jeffersonian. In the case of the Republicans, it's dramatically the opposite. Uh, but even in the case of the Democrats. An absolute typhoon of terror against African Americans in the South. America's fascists are those people who think that Wall Street comes first and the American people come second. We're really seen as a financial sector that's uh, gotten out of hand. The shootings, the violence, that is not the drug problem. That is, in fact, the drug policy problem. I speak tonight for the dignity of man. Well, that voice was elected, and then he chose not to run again. The man had a fair amount of class, did a lot of good things for America, not uh, some stuff that wasn't so good. But we are faced with another election November 8th can't come soon enough for a lot of people. We want the incredible, unprecedented ugliness and pettiness and childishness to be over. But what if it's not? Donald Trump is hinting rather broadly that if he doesn't win, his forces won't accept the election as legitimate. Donald Trump is frightening enough. His open racism, his support for violence, his attacks on traditional constitutional liberties, his stunning pomposity. No question, there have been other political creatures like Trump in Western history. Probably the most similar in temperament and attitude is one Benito Mussolini. When he was murdered rather brutally by crowds after the large-scale devastation of Italy and much of Europe, his form of fascism largely faded from the scene. It was clearly and resoundingly thrown in the trash bin. After all, it had directly caused real harm to a great many people, including his supporters. But what about the Trump followers? What happens to that energy, that ugly energy, if he loses? What is the impact on the Republican Party as it tries to go forward after, if he does lose, he loses? How has the incredible rise of Trumpism caused fascism and racism to now become mainstream? Is it a mistake to think we are witnessing the beginning of the end of Trump? Or is it more like the end of a beginning? How historic is the Trump phenomenon? Passing ugliness or lasting threat to democracy and our traditional American values. A lot to talk about. Our guest today, J.C. Peters. Thanks for being with us, J.C. Thank you for having me, uh, Bert. Thank you. Well, Thank you for that uh, wonderful opening. Ah, well, J.C. Peters is, <laughs> is, a, is a legal philosopher and a historian with a master's degree in legal theory from Utrecht University. He's frequently published in the U.S. about constitutional law, American and European history, and foreign policy issues. He's also a financial analyst who specializes in the foreign exchange market. Boy, I bet that would be messed up if he won. <laughs> and is regularly invited to speak <laughs> at trading seminars about currency trading. 
J.C. Peters is the author of the bestseller on currency trading, Forex for Ambitious Beginners, a guide to successful currency trading, which has also been translated into French and Dutch. His latest nonfiction work, World 2.0, a history from enlightenment to terrorism and beyond, offers a fresh, well-sourced look at decisive events in modern history since 1776. His latest book is his first novel called The Dog and Its Day, a political thriller about an assassination attempt on the Republican nominee. I think writing a novel would be a lot harder than writing nonfiction. Well, again, J.C. Peters, thanks for being with us. <laughs> it's it's hard to... Well, thank you. Thank you for it. Mm-hmm. Well, it's hard to imagine the views that Europeans have about what they're seeing in this American election. And you are European. You are from uh, uh, the Netherlands, I believe. And uh, cer- yep. certainly there's a much wider range of legitimate political parties from far left to far right and everything in between, uh, actual green parties. Here in the U.S., Many were shocked that someone openly calling himself a socialist, uh, whereas in Europe, it's no big deal in the least. Socialist parties are oftentimes the establishment. Please tell us first, if you would, about some of the perspectives on Bernie Sanders from European points of view. Well, that is a very good question, because to to my mind, the fact that Bernie Sanders was able to come up this uh, election cycle was kind of historic, uh, because as you said, he's a self-avowed socialist. He's, he's not ducking and taking cover, whatever the word comes up. He actually agrees that he is a socialist. And many of the things that he's that he said and he's saying are, uh, for Europeans, such as myself, very familiar. Um, you know, uh, free or at least very cheap ed- public education, um, uh, you know, a lot of um, public transportation, uh, free health care or cheap health care, um, those are things we have in Europe, or yeah. most countries at least. They have them in the Netherlands and in, and, in, in England and France, etc. Um, so for us, uh, you know, if, if you allow me to speak for all Europe for the moment, right, for right, many sure. Europeans, it, 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 it came as a surprise that he was able to galvanize so much uh, support, really. But what he, the things he said are very normal to us and i can tell you that they do work <laughs> at least in europe they do yeah there's no reason why they wouldn't it's just um, to... go ahead well no well the, 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 there is no real reason why they wouldn't it, it depends of course on um uh on the people if they if they're willing to support such a system i think that that's what it in the end what it, what it comes down to and, and what is so surprising about bernie sanders is that it to me at least it shows that um, in the possibly near future, we're talking 10, 20 years, mm-hmm. the U.S. might pivot towards such a model because uh, against, let, let's be honest, Bernie Sanders did very well against the odds. I mean, he yes. was taking on a, a very well-oiled, moneyed machine oh. um, that in the beginning really didn't take uh, Mr. Sanders into account at all. And, and he ended up uh, giving her, uh, giving Miss Clinton a run for the money, for her money. So very wild, might be possible the Democratic Party will veer to the, to the left. Um, and then uh, given the changing demographic of the country, it is not really all that unthinkable that 20 years from now we won't have a centrist Democrat like Mrs. Clinton in the White House, but a socialist 
Democrat uh, like uh, Mr. Sanders, not himself probably, but yeah. someone like him. Well, and I do think, you know, being somewhat of a student of, of American history, you know, Franklin Roosevelt was called a traitor to his class because he was wealthy from the mm-hmm. upper class. And a lot of his programs were pretty socialist. And the Republican Party ever since then, and quite frankly, some of the Clintonista Democratic Party have gone after the New Deal programs <laughs> and tried to take them down. But, you know, it's, it's to me, Bernie Sanders was really the traditional, uh, slightly left-leaning liberal Democrat. And, uh, yeah, I think, mm-hmm. I mean, we'll see how, I don't want to assume, because that's, that's dangerous, but if Hillary Clinton does win, you know, on some things she actually is a progressive, uh, traditional Democrat, but we will, I hope we'll see, my goodness. And again... But, but, but let's assume, that let's just assume for a moment, because that's much more fun, Bert. Come yes. On. <laughs> let's just assume that she will become president. <laughs> well, um, and then, I mean... You know, the, the challenge, I think, I think you made a very good point about Roosevelt. I think the challenge for Clinton is much the same as it was for Roosevelt, even though he was dealing with an acute economic crisis. And we are more here, we're more dealing with a, a slow um, uh, winding uh, uh, economic crisis. Because the, the problem is, of course, um, that over the next 10, 20 years, the 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 value of the of the of the of the blue collar worker if you if you, yeah. you know to to say to put it bluntly will rapidly approach zero yeah just to to be totally blunt no, because the, the the technological advances and 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 uh jobs going to to low wage countries will result in, in, at some point in us just not needing a lot of people anymore economically speaking yeah, that's true. Uh, that is that's going to be a big challenge and uh, that's why I'm thinking that for Clinton, the challenge is in um, not doing away with globalization entirely, right. because that will come back and bite you in the behind as well, yeah. if other countries keep it going, um, but to integrate it into the U.S. economy socially and economically so that we're all better off as a people, not just corporate America. And that is going to be a real challenge for me. I, I doubt to be honest, to be totally honest, I doubt she has it in herself to be a second Roosevelt. Oh, I yeah. thought oh, no Mr. Question. Sanders would be better in that respect, actually. Oh, yeah. And I, you know, her husband was not particularly a traditional Democrat at all. I hear, and I'm hoping this is <laughs> true, that she is to the left of Bill Clinton, who, you know, did some horrible trade deals. And anyway, we won't go there. But uh, the... The, <laughs> I hope she can she can do it there. I mean, on social issues, yeah, she's pretty liberal, but uh, there's a lot more to it. And, you know, being free of the power of the corporate power that has largely owned America in the last, uh, well, 20 or so that's years right. since Bill Clinton, we'll see. That's if, why they have to overturn Citizens United. Absolutely. I, mean, I think, don't you agree, Bert? I mean, oh, yeah. if, if, if Citizens United is not overturned, then politics in the United States will will you know eventually be an oligarchy really it was yeah. taken over completely by the money interests and i think that's not a good thing 
No, definitely not a good thing. And it looks, I mean, what we're talking about here is back in the 1770s, there was an oligarchy that owned government. There was no such thing really as democracy, government of, by, and for the people. And we had a war of independence against that very thing. And there it is. <laughs> yeah. There it is right there. Now, back back to, to, to Europe, uh, you know, and the struggles of the of the blue collar, the working class, and there they I don't think they shy away from recognizing uh, class politics. There are various new movements outside the traditional socialist movements that are challenging the institutional left. I think of Syriza in Greece, Podemos in Spain, and the Labour Party of Jeremy Corbyn. Are there similarities there with the Bernie Sanders revolution and? You know, they've they've their fortunes have gone up and down. What do you see of of their future, like in the relative near term? Very, that is another very good point. You're very well informed on European politics, I must say. I try. Um, you know, interesting. No, you are. I mean, uh, interestingly enough, um, because you mentioned in the beginning that I I am also um, you know in the in the forex market, in the currency market, yes. and so obviously for because of that. I know more, I think, than um, I would normally know about, for instance, the uh, Greek political parties, because they were, uh, you know, they almost right. uh, broke out of the euro. Right. There was a major crisis there, and that had a lot of influence, of course, on the, you know, on the price action of the euro. So I, I saw the rise of Syriza and um, and Podemos in Spain. Um, it is, I mean, they are. Uh, the, the the leaders of those parties are, I think, addressing the same issues as Bernie Sanders is addressing, and that is that there are a lot of young people, especially. Um, not to say that I mean, because Syrians, of course, there are a lot of people with pensions that are also very worried. But there are a lot of young people who are seeing that the current system that we're having, um, even if it did work maybe 30 years ago, it's not working anymore, and it certainly won't work. 30 years from now, so they're worried, yeah, yeah. Um, and that the model is broken, and, and the model I'm talking about, because I'm not, you know, I'm not a communist, but I, I think it's, it's important to recognize that you can only have um, a fully working capitalist model um, with, um, where you can sell your labor, if there is any labor that you can sell. Um, so if the economy is veering towards more automation and yeah. and robotization, sure. and you don't need people to do your job anymore, then what are the yeah, people right. going to do? And the young people in Spain and in Greece and in uh, England, I think they are driving these parties that 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 you that you that you talked about. I think the same is happening here. Um, now, obviously. Um, it's not like completely the same as in because in, oh, in Europe, yeah, yeah. a large part is that uh, they already have a widespread, um, you know, social social system, yes. you know, welfare system, sure, yeah. Yeah. and that's being pressured by the same uh, economic um, mm. forces that are pressuring people here. Only here, the for the drive is to get more. Uh, welfare, whereas in Europe they're trying to defend what they have, mm. basically. Mm. <laughs> so it's the same side of the, a different side of the same coin. That's that's I think that's that's what's happening. If you just mm. if you just oh, tuned in, what? dear listener, uh, Bert Cohen here. Our guest today is J.C. Peters. We're talking about 
currently a, a European uh, perspective on uh, on politics, and then uh, we're going to get into a little bit of uh, what now? Is it the end of the beginning of Trumpism, assuming he loses? Uh, <laughs> it's uh, kind of scary, but just, just sticking, you know, seeing if, I mean, there's never actual parallels, but there are similarities on, you know, there's, there's the populist left in America and in Europe, and there's the populist right. We've seen it with uh, George Wallace back many years ago here in the United States. And, you know, before that, uh, Huey Long, uh, who was sort of in between left and right. But anyway, on the right side of the political spectrum uh, in Europe is everything from the Labor Party under Tony Blair to the really far right, openly racialist parties like the Golden Dawn in Greece and the National Front in France. I wonder how America's Donald Trump is seen by the various uh, rightist groups there. Do they see him as a kindred spirit? Or what What kind of uh, linkage or similarities do you see, J.C.? That is a, that is a, that's a, not a good point, um, because I think there are multiple things playing here on this, uh, in, 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 the, in the question that you're asking, is that, uh, like for instance, you have Nigel Farage, right? The um, right. the the, the, the Brexit. Brexit leader, one yes. of the Brexit leaders, yes. who is apparently very chummy with Mr. Trump. Now, I think the reason that they're chummy, uh, at least as far as Mr. Farage is concerned, is not because Mr. Trump is a is a racist or sexist. I think it's because Mr. Farage also wants a more isolationist world. You know, he wants mm-hmm. England to be for people in England and, and uh, do business with other countries, but uh, be very sovereign. And he recognizes in Mr. Trump the same kind of isolationism, I think, uh, because I know a little bit about Mr. Farage, and he doesn't strike me at all in any of the comments that he made um, as a, a sexist, racist uh, um, person. Uh-huh. I think he's more of a, you know, it's a nationalist, but more in the traditional sense. Uh-huh. Now, Golden Dawn obviously is, is a, oh yeah they are racist. they are neo Nazis yeah so <laughs> that's obviously different but as to the second part of your question do they recognize like um, well shall we just say some fascist tendencies can I say that oh absolutely that, there how to so if 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 that's the question I think that they admire in Mr Trump that he is um. Mm, it's difficult to because many of the things that Donald Trump say, says are not um, how do you say this? This difficult. They are not overtly racist. Right. They are under the surface racist. Right. Oh yeah. So he's not. I mean, he's not saying anything against the blacks, or he's not saying all the Mexicans are rapists. Right. He right. said because I, I I remember the clip very well. He says, and some I believe are good people. Yeah. Some of them. Right. So. Some of them, you know. Right. <laughs> no, it's, I think so. I, th- I think for Mr. Trump, um, it's more like uh, he wants to go back to, like, the 1950s, right, yeah. where America was strong and, and, and guys could, you know, slap each other on the shoulder and do whatever they wanted to do. Um, mm-hmm. But he's... And I think he could be... He, I, I, to be totally honest, I think he could easily uh, devolve into a fascist, right? Because mm-hmm. he doesn't oh, yeah. seem to have a very... Like a moral compass, to say, yeah. well, that I will never do. <laughs> no, there's no moral compass. There. Ideological. <laughs> no, he doesn't strike me as ideologically uh, a fascist like people of Golden Dawn. 
He's That's more, true. you know, he's amenable to it. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what it seems to, like to me. That's that's a good point. I think. I mean, yeah. he's. I I don't think he'd be openly, you know, avowedly uh, fascist and racist like the Golden Dawn. But he is, you know, the effects of what he's talking about are, you know, uh, they're like Mussolini had. Yeah. He had all the answers. Just trust me. Trust me. Believe me. You know, it's all about yeah. him. You know, and and I think if somebody were to ask him the three branches of government, first he wouldn't know, and then he might say something like, "Well, me, myself, and I." You know, that's that's you know a powerful leader. Like the Spanish word is "cadillo." Well, like, Go ahead. Yeah, it's no, it's it's like I would just you know, if you think about um, when Adolf Hitler came to power, right? They came about the democratically. Not every, oh, yeah. everyone remembers this, but he came to power democratically, right? That's true. And then you had the Enabling Act, which was like three weeks after he came to power. Now the, the 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 thing is, I think that with Adolf Hitler, the enabling act was planned all along. Probably, you know, they yeah. wanted the enabling act. They wanted to to push the parliament out of the way. I think with a, a guy like Donald Trump, if he were to be president, that could happen accidentally, right? That he would be like in power, and he wanted something. He, he would want something from Congress, and they wouldn't give it to him, yeah. and then he would just figure out a way to try and bypass Congress. You know, and then all of a sudden you're in this situation where you're you basically stumbled on something like the Enabling Act. Uh, and the question then is, mm. is it then too late? Will America's um, institutions hold up? Uh, which I think, I mean, theoretically to me as a historian is a, is a very interesting question. Uh, not, I, I obviously don't, I don't want to test it out, don't get me wrong. Oh. But it's interesting <laughs> to, to, to ask the question... Will the will America's democratic institutions hold up uh, no matter what, or uh, if they have a president who's very strong and very popular, and who just tries to bypass Congress with the help of Congress, just yeah. as it happened in Germany, yeah. uh, if you will remember, oh, yeah. will they go for it, or will something kick in uh, saying no, no, we have a constitution? That to me is a question. I hope we will never see answered definitively yes it's uh, true i think you uh, understand what i'm saying oh i do absolutely and the the drive for democracy i you know think i mean this show is called keeping democracy alive for a reason because it's just barely hanging by a thread and i don't think that many <laughs> people uh, really get you know and have this drive for democracy i don't i don't know how important it is to so many people some people and i think this is probably true have figured about 30 percent of the people in America really want kind of a dictator. In fact, you know, back in the 1930s when people were also scared, there was a lot of fear. People thought, yeah, maybe Roosevelt should be a dictator. Uh, and that, you know, there can be just one guy to answer the issues and this democracy is just so inconvenient. And, you know, there, there's a yeah. significant portion of American public that, that really do want that, I think. And, you know, democracy, they don't... Now you see... And you see that it, that, it, that it can happen quickly. I mean, look at President Obama, who is obviously uh, not a dictator, no. you know, and who has uh, a firm footing in the law. But even he used uh, a lot of uh, executive power yes, yes. to get things done yes. because Congress wouldn't go along, right? Right. So, and then he was questioned about it many times uh, by Republicans, of course, and he said, well, that I'm within the law. Uh, him or the surrogates would say, you know, the president is within the law, he can't do this. 
and it's correct, only it's also very dangerous, because it means that, um, well, you know, if the president don't, doesn't need Congress, for instance, to declare war, um, to, to go off uh, and uh, warring, basically, you know, because he just didn't officially declare war, if the president can use executive power to push through all kinds of regulations yes. that he just hangs on, uh, hangs underneath existing regulations, then at some point you can ask yourself the question, which I think many Americans are already doing, is why ex ex exactly do we have a Congress? Because they're not doing anything, they're bypassed, uh, they're gridlocked. So, so you're, you're right, I think that democracy is, you should never take it for granted. That's and if sure. you allow uh, the system to, how do you say this, to, to remain rigid and unchanged long enough, then you will approach a, a situation where there is only democracy in name. And I think this is, to be honest, I think this is what's happening in the United States. I, I mean, is in the, Congress is so ineffective, uh, and, you know, at, 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 for a couple of years now already. Um, look, look at just a, with the, what's happening with the Supreme Court nomination. Yes. If you, if you look in, in the Constitution, right, um, then the Republicans are right. It doesn't. There's no term mentioned for when Congress should um, right. hold a hearing, right, right? on right. a confirmation. Right. But everybody understands that it's not very good for your country to go a year or a year and a half without uh, uh, a ninth uh, head uh, Supreme Court. And even and we're seeing what it, what it means right now. We're seeing that they're locked a lot of times, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not good. But politically, it's just not very expedient for the uh, for Republicans to, to 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 have a hearing. So they're just pushing it, uh, uh, you know, down the line. Citizens United is an, is another example of it. Is is that the Supreme Court allowed it to happen, um, and now we're in a system where, you know, uh, large parties, uh, as in large companies and and rich people, can basically fund themselves within the government, inside the government. Um, and I think that's a good development, and that's something we, we don't have in Europe, I can tell you that. I mean, for mm. instance, in the Netherlands, uh, you know, we have a parliamentary system. There are multiple parties. Mm -hmm. uh, parties no one, yeah. no party is ever um, um, big enough to, you know, to have, uh, to, to, to rule alone. Uh, sure. Our prime minister is not chosen, he's not elected. He's just the head of his party, uh -huh. but there is no funding uh, of um, uh, the, the parties by outside um, entities wow. because mm. everybody gets gets as much uh, advertising time as the others. In France, it's yeah. the same way. By the way, I lived in Paris for ten years, um, and in Paris, it's the same. In France, it's the same. Uh, every party gets an equal amount of advertising time. Mm. So oh. no money there. That sounds sorry so for the long great. story, Bert. No, no, it's uh, it's <laughs> rambling on. Sorry, I obviously really care about democracy, and now you know. I mean, the idea trying to get money out of politics, you have to control the demand side, which it sounds like. I mean, you you, you can try to support, control the supply of money, but if their demand is there, demand is there. But if each party gets the same amount of, of free TV time. There's no demand. You don't have to have all that money. And right now, you know, people see, I think a lot of the anger, the populist anger is because, 
they might not uh, uh, see it or, or talk about it as there's a lack of democracy because of all this money. But money, I mean, Congress people are oftentimes seen at least as being owned and controlled by powerful moneyed interest. And people want a caudillo, you know, a Spanish yeah. word, to come along on the white horse and just fix it, just fix it. I think there's a <laughs> lot of that going around, and it's really dangerous. Uh, and one can never assume anything in American political elections. That being said, for discussion's sake, let's assume that Donald Trump, the candidate, is defeated. Oh, it's music to my ears. Uh, in anticipation of that, the candidate is now actively stoking the fires of non-recognition of the results of the election. In his final debate, he actually said, well, he might not recognize if he loses. He might not get that, uh, you know, he, he might just say, no, the election is rigged, yeah. trying to delegitimize it all. As you write, the last time a large part of the electorate refused to accept the clear results of a presidential election, it triggered the start of the Civil War, end of quote. Yeah. What do you think the effects of that may be beginning November 9th, the day after the election, if Trump refuses to recognize the election and to concede as every other candidate has ever done? Well, it's a good, that's a good question. I actually just finished an article uh, about that, which is called um, uh, The War That Starts on November 9th. <laughs> oh, geez. You know, it's not published yet. It's not published yet, but just so you know. Uh, no, and it's, it's, I think, um, to, to begin, I mean, I, I think uh, Trump just maneuvered himself in, 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 in this spot over the last few weeks, right? I mean, he's been calling like shenanigans for, for weeks, yeah. uh, I think because he knows he's going to lose and he needs an out, right? So he's been setting himself up for this. Um, that means that, he, that he, he could not really say that he will uh, respect the results, uh, whatever, because then he will, will not have that out anymore. So what he should have done, I think, uh, you know, I'm not going to, I'm only giving him advice after the fact, of course, but what, I think what he should have done is, he should have thought about how exactly he was going to formulate that. How he was going to say, listen, I will respect the democratic process and the constitutional process, but let's be honest, it has happened before that elections were very close, uh, that, the, you know, look at Al Gore. Yes. Uh, so I reserve the right not to green light the result up front, because it might be that we have to look at it. Now, if he would have said it like that, right, it would have sounded a little different. Yeah. But the way he said it, um, and even talking over Chris Wallace when he gave him another chance to, you know, to reformulate, to rephrase. And now he gives off the impression uh, that uh, he's probably not going <laughs> to, he's not, probably not going to recognize the result. And, and then we would have a real problem, I think, because, you know, there are going to be like at least, what are we talking, like 40 million people? 35, 40 million people, they're going to vote for Donald Trump, right? Uh, so it's, let's say it's hardcore supporters are like 30 million people, yeah. like people who really like whatever he's, what, what he's saying. Yeah, now, that. if he is saying that he will not recognize the results because the elections were rigged and, they, and he keeps riling them up, uh, we could have a real problem on our hands. I don't think, by the way, just to be clear, we're not going to have another civil war, obviously. One of the reasons 
for this, I mean, if we, if we go into it a little bit deeper, is that we don't have the same geography anymore, uh, right. you know, uh, electoral geography, as we had in 1860. Back then, they could say, you know, we've all these states, like Mr. Clinton, uh, um, sorry, uh, Abram Lincoln, you know, in the South, I think he only won like two districts, you know, out of like a thousand. Right. So there it was very clear that there were large geographically, you know, high areas where uh, Mr. Lincoln better not set foot, basically. In this, you know, in our modern time, it's, of course, you know, vastly different. Yeah. So what we'll likely see is more protest, ruckus, um, rallies of Mr. Trump where he keeps rallying them up. Uh, stuff like that, uh, a contentious time. And I think there might be a new party uh, yeah. formed, uh, you know, the, the Trumpist party. What, what do you think, Bert? Is there any chance of the, the Trumpist party? What do I, you think? I don't know. There's been talk about, uh, well, you know, Donald Trump uh, loves power and ratings. I mean, he's always talking about win, win, win. We can win. We can win. It's all about winning. And he's used to winning. That's part of his persona, I think, is that he that people who felt like they haven't won much in a really long time in their lives. Ah, this guy's a winner. He can win it. So maybe there'll be a new Trump TV network, you know, to compete with Fox News, to be to the crazy right of Fox, something like that. I don't know what's going to happen with the Republican Party. I mean, I almost feel badly for, notice the word almost, feel badly for some of my Republican friends, but they have, you know, who are sane, they have enabled this stuff to rise. They've been cutting funding for education for a long time, and and as Trump has said, he loves uneducated people. Uh, It's, it's, (laughs) I mean... He relies on it. It's it's astounding that he would say that. And this atmosphere of anti-intellectualism, that there's something wrong with you if you've actually studied history, if if you have academic real knowledge, oh, you're an elitist, you know, you're, you know, what do you think, you're above everybody yeah. else? It's, I don't think... That's true. Is there this anti-intellectualism in, in Europe? I, I don't, I mean, I don't know Europe, but... I no, no, not like, not like that. Uh, because I, I, you're right. I mean, I wasn't, I was on a conservative talk show uh, um, not so long ago, and there it, it went exactly like you said. I mean, there, being from Europe and having uh, gone to a university is, uh, it's, it's not a good thing. <laughs> it's, it's a bad thing. And, uh, and I, I, I thought that was kind of, well, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to name names or badmouth anyone, but I thought it was kind of. Um, childish i mean to 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 ridicule someone just because they went to university it seems kind of like what you do in third grade right i mean (laughs) uh but uh, and that's what's so scary uh, what i read well it's well i mean what did rick santorum say in 2012 didn't he say like um president obama wants everyone to go to university what a snob didn't he say like oh yeah yeah and people buy into that, that. I mean, for that base, yeah, yeah, for for that base, um, the, I mean, I can understand why it appeals to them. If you're if you're not smart, if you did not study, uh, maybe you are a little jealous of yes. someone who did. Yes. yes. And then it's very nice if someone says to you, "Listen, um, you you should be glad not to have an ac- academic education because it uh, doesn't do you any good anyway." Right. Right. But what is disturbing, though, is that um, 
is that we're moving, of course, into a time where education only becomes more important. It's, it's like in the vein that we talked about mm. earlier when I said uh, that, you know, we're getting more automation, etc. Technology is becoming more important. So if we want humans to um, be economically viable, you know, to be useful, um, they better educate uh, them, educate themselves, right? Uh, because otherwise, you know, they, we won't be needing them to, to, to bring around the mail or anything. We'll right. have... Uh, Drones, whatever. You know, uh, self-driving vehicles for that. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah, it's... Um, so, yeah. But it's fear. Again, you know, as Roosevelt said... The only thing we have to fear is fear itself, and, and fear is manipulated. It's a very, very powerful political tool. Fear of the Mexicans, fear of the other, whatever the heck the other is. And, and I've seen that. I've seen Trump rallies. It's spooky. I've, I've honestly worried, you know, about if Trump loses or if he wins— you know, what What happens to the energy of these, as you say, perhaps 40 million Americans? You know, I, I can imagine, quite frankly, I mean, maybe this is a little bit over the top, but I don't know. I can imagine roving gangs physically attacking Arab-looking people, blacks, immigrants, Hispanics, and others. Uh, you know, we know about uh, the Kristallnacht in Europe, you know, in, in Germany, when uh, a lot of Jewish shops were attacked and they got away with it. It was like all officially sanctioned by the government, you know. And now it does seem like Trump is purposely, you know, his, his racism, as you say, is not overt. But when he talk, whenever he talks about uh, African-Americans, he immediately talks about crime in inner cities. Now that's only a small that's, that's yeah. only a small percentage of African Americans who live in the inner cities. You know, there's but white you're right. He always mentions that in the same sentence. And you it's know, so it's it's racism. Yeah. It is racism. And they it seems yeah. to me he's stoking the fires of hate as much as possible. What do you think the the dangers of this kind of, you know, roving thugs, you know, just hate-filled people like they stole the election from him? Uh, you know, <laughs> which will they will say that they will keep saying that for, for they, a long time, like the Bertha movement, but only more serious. Well, I think I mean if you look at if if we're talking about like um, how some of these uh, dictatorial re- regimes uh, developed, and let's 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 look at Germany for instance because it's it's one of the more interesting ones, of course. Yeah. Is that that too? It took a number of years, right? It took I mean from the the first time that Hitler tried to take power, right. like in the early 20s, yes. which failed, and then he went to jail and, and wrote Mein Kampf, right. um, to the, t- the, the takeover in 1933, that's like 10 years, right? And in those years, they got uh, more organized, um, and they um, purposefully uh, created mischief on the streets, uh, like you're basically saying right now. So, but... Before, but for that to happen, uh, you do have to have someone who is um, determined to get to power and to keep organizing the people. Because if you don't, they they're they're not going to do it themselves. So this hinges on either Trump continuing what he's doing, which is very possible, by the way, that he's that he they will say, "Listen, I did not lose the election; it was taken from us. We should organize." You know, he could, he could do that. Yeah. Or um, he will retreat more into the background, maybe 
doing Trump TV, for instance, which could be like a Fox News on steroids, as mm-hmm. uh, the way I see it, um, and then keep the, the base angry, and then someone else rises up who is not a genital groper, if you understand what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. More smart, more uh-huh. contained, but yeah. is just as dangerous, dangerous on the issue, which, yeah. issues, which, which would make him far more dangerous. Because what we keep forgetting, um, if you allow me this last uh, point, oh, sure. is that um, if, like, when I was young, you know, and, and I started learning about the, the, the Second World War, we always learned that Hitler was a, this madman, right? He was this crazy lunatic, and et cetera, et cetera. Only he wasn't, of course. Right. Hitler uh, may have been, well, Hitler was a very bad man, Yes. <laughs> but he was not stupid. He was not crazy. He, he, the, if you, I mean, he was a very contained, very studied person uh, who practiced r- religiously for the those speeches that he gave. You know, he was, in that respect, a little bit like Hillary Clinton, who also, yep. you know, practiced religiously for the debates. Yes. There are, there are, Photographs showing that Hitler was very, you know, um, that he that he that he practiced how he should look, how he should yes. move, how he, you know. Uh, so is this was a person who was very um, disciplined, um, and and he was an ideologue. If you look at Mein Kampf, sure, it's that that's in that book he actually, you know, he voices a an, an ideology. It's a it's a terrible ideolo- ideology, mm. but nevertheless he thought it through. Whereas, but with Donald Trump, he just blurts out whatever comes up in him. Now, the reason I'm mentioning this is now suppose that the next Trump will not be a Donald Trump, will, but will be more like an Adolf Hitler. Then you have a real problem. That's that's what I think. Wow. Hmm. That will. Um, that that's very scary stuff, and you know, d- during the primary season, I thought that Ted Cruz was frankly a bit more dangerous because he's as you know hard right wing, but he's studied, he's he's disciplined, whereas Trump is not. Trump is you know kind of a a, a scary clown, if you will. But 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 Cruz has one redeeming quality, and only one, and that is that he loves the Constitution. That's the only thing. Uh, he is. Uh, he is. Uh, many of his viewpoints are terrible. But if you listen to Cruz in the debates, but also if you read what the stuff that he that he writes, uh, his love for the Constitution is unquestionable. Wow. Which means that he would never ever, um, you know, go down the path of uh, being a dictator or doing stuff that are. One hundred percent against the Constitution. He would never do that. I I firmly believe that he would never do that. Well, that's that's good to hear. But but you're right. There could be a, a more studied, a more disciplined uh, somebody who knows more what he or she is is doing, and to use to absorb that energy. I mean, obviously, you know, uh, there's a tremendous amount of fuel for a fire out there in these like 30 million or so people who are Trump supporters, who are angry, who really, quite frankly, are kind of racist and, and, you know, angry at the yep. others out there. And that's kind of what we're talking about here. What what comes next? And they need a leader. Yeah, I don't know who that would be. But, and in, but, uh, well, in, but in France, for instance, in France, you have um, the, the National Front, like you say. Right. They, for years, they were led by this old dude, right. uh, you know, uh, Le Pen. 
and uh, and then he w- who was uh, who is he still he's still alive. Yeah, but he's an anti-Semite. Yes, and so many people in France were like, ah, you know, I don't like that. Uh, and then his daughter came yes. to power, uh, Marine Le Pen, yeah. uh, and she is far smarter, and she yes. is more directing all the anger and hate towards um, uh, you know Muslims, which is which works much better in in modern France oh, yeah. because they have five million Muslims, yeah. and now this party is uh, because they have elections next year. And uh, it might be that there's going to be a two-way race, what they believe, between the um, the right of Mr. Sarkozy, maybe, hmm. uh, and and the far right of, of Ms. Le Pen, oh because she's a different kind of leader. And in Holland, uh, they had sort of the same thing. We had for years in the 1980s and 90s, we had uh, a man who was... Uh, well, he was somewhat ridiculous, uh, as in that he everybody knew that he was like this racist, and he always talked racist, and he had these ads that he aired that were very racist. So we all laughed about it, and and they had like one vote in parliament, right? Mm-hmm. And that's what it's how it stayed for years. But then another person came up, and he galvanized that that voting block. He was called Pim Fortuyn, and he got twenty six oh seats in a hundred and fifty seat parliament, and oh then he was assassinated. Um, and his, and then he was followed up by Mr. Geert Wilders, who you might know, uh, because he's been more active abroad as well. And now he's set to be the second or first largest, uh, largest party in Holland in next year's elections. So the point you're making is correct, is that if there is a, a leader that is able to organize these people and to speak to these people, then you might have a serious problem on your hands. Wow, interesting. I mean, we have uh, sort of Trump wannabes like the Rudy Giuliani, but he's not, I mean, he's nuts. He's just uh, yeah, totally clownish, it seems to me. But you're right. I, I just wonder about, you know, the the uh, Trumpists after Trump. What happens with that? And of course, the Republican Party, what the heck? What are they going to do? I mean, there's people now who say, you know, oh, people should be supporting Trump. They're not being, uh, you know, real party people if they're not supporting the nominee. And there are others who, uh, like uh, Mitt Romney, who, you know, despise Trump and what he's doing. I wonder, I mean, not not a literal civil war, but I wonder your thoughts about uh, you know, some kind of uh, ideological civil war within the Republican Party. I mean, they got they got a real identity crisis on their hands after Trump, assuming he loses. What are your thoughts on that? Here's a scenario for you. Like, like, how about uh, so? Uh, let's you know because I I like these uh, you know the the what ifs, right? Okay, so let's oh, yeah. say that there will be kind of a civil war within the Republican Party, right? Because he has these let's say, 30-40% of the Republican Party uh, who are devoted to Trump and not to the Republican Party. Now, suppose that Trump, after a while, will move more into the background, into Trump TV, um, and his place is taken by General Flynn, uh, who, uh, you know, may, probably, you know, he's his, is his advisor on uh, military issues, and oh, yes, who is yes, a yes. Much res- was a much-respected much uh, uh, general, uh, the, the director of the Defense Intelligence Agency, and who is, um, well, how, how do you say it, very angry with Washington. Yes, indeed. <laughs> you know? um, who has, so who has good credentials, who is much more disciplined, more, more restrained, 
let's say that he will lead this new party with Trump as a new kind of Roger Ailes, you know, in, on Trump TV, uh, while the Republican Party basically fights to answer that challenge by basically saying if what it comes down to, listen, let's not be too nasty to the Mexicans and the Muslims. Right. That's that's what their message. What the message would boil down to, right? They would right. say, like, listen, guys, let's be civil here. Uh, we, you know, let's not go too far to the right. <laughs> that's what the Republican Party would say to the Trumpist Party. That that civil war, which will probably be fought out on, on you know, on the cable network, yeah, yeah. Um, might very well be won by the Trump Party. Wow. And then you have a new kind of party, a, 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 um, a party that is more focused on, you know, going back to protectionism, isolationism, uh, anti-Muslim, yeah. to interventionist uh, policies towards, um, you know, radical Islamic terrorism, because that's what General Flynn thinks is very important. And then you have, you know, but I, I can tell you one thing. As long as the civil war within the Republican Party rages on, they will not get a president elected. Oh, that's a good that's point. That's not how it works. That's true, and I suppose... But... Go ahead. Yeah. No, well, uh, the, the last phrase that I was going to utter was that, but while when they have figured it out, uh, and they will come with a strong leader and a strong program, which is how civil wars usually work out, the strong survive, then they might pose a whole new threat to to the Democrats. It's a little bit like Ronald Reagan, remember? I mean, right. we had, um, we had uh, like, uh, in, 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 the, in the, first in the, in the 60s, you had um, Barry Goldwater, oh, right? Yep. And he was this very conservative guy, and, and well, a lot of people in the Republican Party who didn't like him, but he got the nomination, and then he was, in a, in 64, he was defeated in a landslide against Lyndon Johnson. It was the last landslide, I think, of, you know, in modern political history. And then for, like, and then they had Nixon, and it, uh, it was, like, not, not, you know. That was a landslide. So, so, right, for the Republicans at least. But then, then came Reagan, who was, like, the new light of the Republican Party. Now, this, that, so that story had a good ending, right? A, a very for nice ending for the Republicans. Yeah. But it could also go the other way that they end up with this really strong racist dictator party <laughs> to the much farther to the right, it, and and that will be really interesting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be amazing to see what happens. I mean, there aren't that many uh, sensible, in my opinion, uh, you know, old school Republicans who are uh, for you know small government, pro business. But you know, relatively moderate on social issues and not racist at all. And you know, I, I also find it interesting. The Democratic Party uh, this year was also very split. The traditional liberals, like me, pretty much all went with Bernie Sanders. But then there's the mm-hmm. corporate right-leaning uh, Clintonista uh, Democratic Leadership Conference uh, Democrats, who obviously with with Hillary, they took over the DNC. Now, I understand they do not want a repeat where they, they did rig the, uh, the nominating process, and they've started fixing the problems, which is a good thing, which enabled them to cheat to, and pick a winner. What do you see ahead for Democrats should Hillary Clinton be elected? I wonder if there'd be kind of a, 
I can imagine, you know, a, a quieter, more peaceful civil war within the Democratic oh, Party. Okay. That'll be interesting as well. <laughs> well yeah, that's true. Well, I, I, one thing I can tell you is, I mean, is that um, for the Democrats, not uh, going with Bernie Sanders, no matter how you slice it, was a missed opportunity. Oh, because if, terrible. if a, if a, a more to the left, a left like a really left-leaning Democrat, could ever become elected president in this country, it was now. Yes. Because, you know, even my mother would have won against Donald Trump, you know, and she's Dutch, <laughs> and she doesn't know anything about American politics, and she still would have won, because everyone would have said, oh, she's such a nice woman, you know, and whereas he is such a sexist. No. <laughs> so, so Bernie Sanders would have definitely won, uh, uh, no just, just like Hillary Clinton is winning, I think. So it's a missed opportunity, but having said that, um, uh, the the the... the Clinton will probably be uh, elected, and you're saying maybe we're going into calmer uh, waters now uh, with the Democratic Party. But it could also be, we could also go, you know, the other way, where is that um, Clinton will, uh, so on November 9th, we'll all cheer, right? We'll be, yay, Clinton has won, because at least it wasn't Trump. Then we'll wake up, uh, you know, because it's early hours on November 9th, and then we'll wake up the next morning, and we will start to get used to the fact that we'll get Hillary Clinton for president, who is, look, she's professionally, she's very suitable. Uh, she, you know, she oh, has yeah. a lot of experience, but Tremendous. politically, yeah. uh, I think she's a very unsuitable for the presidency because she has done a number of things that are um, mm, very, I, I will be, you know, restrained, but very inconvenient. Uh, <laughs> the, so, uh, so it's, possible, of course, that in those four years, the revolt within her own party grows instead of declines, and that we will have another Bernie Sanders moment four years from now. I think it's entirely possible, especially... What do you think? Well, the the, the biggest concern, the biggest uh, detract to my supporting Hillary Clinton, which I do now of necessity. I mean, I got some pragmatism, but she's a hawk. She's a terrible hawk on foreign policy. And oh, yeah. I mean, a no-fly zone over Syria. What are you, crazy? Oh, my God. Is that every? I mean, that's poking yeah. Russia in the eye and the expansion of NATO. Of course, the Russians are concerned about that. So, you know, if she does start another war, yeah, there's going to be a revolt within the Democratic Party for sure. I mean, like we had with Johnson and Gene McCarthy and then the opportunist Bobby Kennedy came along. Yeah. There could be uh, splits within the Republican Party. I mean, with within the Democratic Party. Now, I, I, I just want to, you know, this show is called Keeping Democracy Live. It's a heavy lift. There's not much of it left. Uh, we got the Republican Party potentially splitting and splintering and fragmenting and f- perhaps even literally fighting amongst itself. The power of money has severely diminished any real democracy, as, as you have pointed out, uh, J.C. Peters. What, what, uh, what of democracy itself as we move beyond this election? Will, uh, are we going to be able to keep democracy alive? Will there be a new burst of, of democratic impulse with a small d? What do you think about that as a, you know, a political uh, uh, theorist, a, you know, historian here? What, what do you sense on that? Well, democracy has proven to be very, um, how do you say, it, you know, resourceful yeah. as a, as a, as a, as an operating uh, system. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, there are periods where it where it 
you know, it, the support for it is, is on decline because people need, you know, they want change. Like right now, that yeah. people are so desperate for change that they'll vote for anyone who says, you know, I'll shake things up. Um, but in the end, it, it, it's a system that is, um, uh, although imperfect, it's resilient. It's, it's it's better. It's more stable. It's more stable than than, than dictatorship. I mean, Winston right. Churchill famously said, uh, "Right, something like democracy." Five is... minutes with the average voter. <laughs> right. <laughs> Come again, sorry. No, I thought he said something about democracy is the worst system, but it's better than any others, or something like that. But which which That's, he also said that. That's true. Yeah. No. So he he I think he was very a realist. Yeah. In democracy is not. And the end of the world. Yeah, it's so wonderful. But it's better than the other. Now, um, it, 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 the, the, the point where we are right now, I mean, I, I wrote an article um, not so long ago, which was called The Lesser Evil, where I no. purported that, um, you know, left-leaning um, voters could also go with the Green Party, Right. Uh, which basically has many of Bernie Sanders' points taken over point by point, where it, you know they they agree with that, and then even if Donald Trump will become president, uh, then you have a couple of years where the Democratic Party realizes that they should you know listen more to voters and move to the left. Right now, I would hope so. As terrible as that might sound, um, uh, it it can be good for a country to be in a state for a while where things are not so good. It's what, what, what did Jefferson say? It's, it's that, that quote that I sometimes forget. It's like the tree of liberty must be, be refreshed from time to time with the blood of tyrants, <laughs> patriots and tyrants. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, That's pretty scary, though. <laughs> a lot of people could get hurt in the process. <laughs> hey, we've come to the end of the show. Very, very interesting. I'd, I'd love to talk with you some more after the uh, election. Uh, at what, but what's a, a, a website to which you can point people? Uh, well, I have a uh, my, my like my personal website is, is uh, yellowpeters dot com, so it's J E double L E, uh, and then Peters, uh, so yellowpeters dot com, uh, where I uh, frequently blog about things like uh, like this. All right. uh, so uh, and and I would love to be back on your show, uh, because I I, I I think we have Very much uh, this is good know, stuff. We, we have a good rapport together. Indeed. <laughs> Thank you so much. It's been a very, very interesting show. Thanks so much for being with us, J.C. Peters. And uh, thank you, dear listener, for listening. And we all got to do what we can to keep democracy alive. I'm a little worried about, uh, you know, some street fighting that might go on if angry uh, uh, Trump supporters don't get their way. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>